jamming out in the chat y'all crack me up every week when that song plays thank you all so much for joining me this evening for this live stream discussion i'm super excited i have my girl lady j with me lady j go ahead and unmute your microphone okay let's hope that my headphones are working hi everybody how you doing oh you sound you sound perfect 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 yay So I hope everybody's doing good. So I wanted to put this together um, because a lot of people watched the Static Major documentary that I did um, and really enjoyed it and took a, a, a lot from the video. A lot of folks, you know, a lot of younger people didn't even know he existed. <laughs> they had assumed like everything was done by like Timbaland um, and their production. And I think this brought back a lot of memories for people as well. So what did you think from the from the documentary and what were you able to take away from it? Well, I'll start by saying thanks for doing it, because I know it takes a lot of time to go in and edit and pull those receipts and dig in the crevices of the Internet (laughs) to find. Right. right? And but I, you know, as I was following along with you and I had said this to you, I was just like, man, like you filled in some gaps for me that I kind of had forgotten. Because just like you, I was a mom. I was out here hustling, working, doing the thing. And there's just some things that you just kind of miss, right? But you Mm -hmm. really hit on a lot of good stuff that I can't wait to discuss and see what other people have to say. Definitely. It was really good. Really, really good. Thank you. You know, like I was saying, it was it was hard. And I really didn't want to tell anybody I was working on the documentary because people could say, like, what are you working on this month? And I didn't want to say because I'm like, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to, like, just tie it together because there's not a lot of information on him because this was before the social media era so it's like Mm -hmm. you know before Twitter and you know Instagram and Facebook Facebook might have been around but he wasn't on that so it's not like I can dig into those archives and find out more and the information on him is really limited so I thought this would be a perfect way to not only speak on static but also speak on people in the industry who don't get their shine who don't get their credit because like I was saying in my live stream yesterday, I think for this generation, a lot of them, they've been almost indoctrinated to only look at the celebrity and look at the face of of the star of the music. When, you know, when we were younger, we read through those leaflets that were in the CD covers and you know, uh, tape covers, like we've read those inserts. We got to know who produced what, who sang on what. And that's not really available. Like, granted, they do have some credits like on Apple and on Spotify, but with Apple, the way that you see that is like when you click on the lyrics and you scroll all the way down to the bottom. But, you know, if the kids aren't doing that, you're going to miss it. You know, whereas Mm -hmm. we had that physical booklet. Yeah, it was something about holding that book in your hand. And I guess because, you know, for the for the kid here, you used to have to go to the card catalog desk to to find a book in the library (laughs) 
I'm telling my age, like just holding on to that pizza, you know, paper <laughs> and just kind of reading through that makes so much difference. And it bonded you differently with the artist. And like the, in your clip that you use with Beyonce and she's sitting here talking about like, you know, so invested in the personal life because that's the entertainment now because there's nothing else left. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you made you made some good points. Yeah, it was something about having that that little piece of leaflet and going through those lyrics because you couldn't get them online. And I guess it's so easy to do it now. So maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Right. So we're going to go ahead and take on some calls. So if you guys want to call and state your opinion on the documentaries on Static Major, you know, what songs of his did you like that he produced or wrote? Um, And then also just about music in general. You know, so we're going to talk about a lot of things tonight. I'm going to start bringing people up on stage. Just raise your hand and make sure that you're muted until um, until you're caught on. So let's go ahead and start with, um, let's see here. We got a lot of people got their hands raised. Oh, fabulous. Okay, let's start with, let's see here, who's on stage? Um, Keandrea Wells, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. How are you? Yeah, I'm so excited. I love you. Love you so much. Um, Thank so you. That you couldn't find any of his music because um, he was out long before you know the whole social media wave came. And I remember this specifically. As soon as you said Static Major, I thought about the Lil Wayne Lollipop song. Mm. And at the end of that video, they announced that he had died. Right. And, I, and That's I was, how a lot of people found out about it was at the very end. Um, you see at the end of the credits, it's like, you know, rest in peace static. It's like, wait, he died? <laughs> exactly. So I was, I was like, he he made the song. He, he's gone. I thought, like, was he supposed to feature on? I didn't know who he was at all. And then I just started looking into it. Just like, who is this man? Like, why is they crediting him on, on at the end of the song? Like, he had to have been, you know, someone to be credited, especially how big that album was for during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's all I want. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thank you for calling in, sis. All right. Okay, let me go ahead and bring on Evan Stervens. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, lovely T. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. So I watched the documentary. I was very impressed. And I'm, like I said, I was so impressed the way you put everything together. Because I remember I was like a senior in high school. And I, I was mm-hmm. watching the video with my friend, and then, like, he died. I'm like, what? Like, he's not going to enjoy this beautiful music he just put out? And I was I was hurt by that. So right. as I was watching the documentary, I didn't recognize he had write a lot of songs, especially the Aaliyah album, the La- Aaliyah. He mm-hmm. had at least nine songs from that album, and I was not, I was not aware of that at all. And I, yeah. and I didn't realize the impact he had in the industry at all. And I had to say thank you for actually bringing that to the surface. And another thing I want to say is the fact is I was very disappointed with the music industry because the mm-hmm. thing is when Little Wayne was a win, winning award, it was like the Little Wayne. It was no future at all, as if he was not even there at all. They did not acknowledge the fact he, he was a future on that song. And I'm like, why would they do that to him, especially when he played a major part of that song? And I was very disappointed the fact they did that to him. No, I definitely agree. And I think that was the issue that a lot of people, especially in Louisville, had with it. It, it After a while, it just became Lil Wayne's song. 
Like nobody ever even ties that song to Static Major. Exactly, because I'm like, whenever you do a future, it's like, it, it, I just feel, I, I was just looking disappointed, like with the MTV, especially BET for being a black entertainment. And the fact is mm-hmm. they were able to go and do that and say, little when, so, when they know another artist has contributed to that song. And I'm like, especially if you, if you offer black artists, why are you trying to delete this person from history? Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much, even for calling in. We got a lot of calls coming in. It was very good talking to you. So he made some really good points, Lady J, because you would think as BT, they would have did some type of tribute to him because he wasn't, you know, maybe he wasn't Michael Jackson, but his pen game was on point and he wrote a lot of iconic, iconic songs and there was no type of memorial or tribute. You know what? I thought about that, too. And even thanks for making that point. Like, this man did so much behind the scenes. It's not to say that there weren't other artists that did the same. But the impact he had, you know, looking at that um, that interview with uh, Vlad and the man mm-hmm. breaking down, couldn't even compose himself. You could literally see him going in his mind and replaying moments in his life Mm. where this man had such an impact like what fun did they have what what stuff did they do you know that writing process you a creator you get it the process Mm -hmm. of creating is so intimate and for him to sit down and break down and cry like that you mean to tell me there weren't other people in the industry that didn't feel that way they didn't have the juice to make sure that this man got some type of achievement award, it, it kind of harkens back to what you said, uh, you know, what you put in the piece about how his wife and that whole genuine piece and that fake love and mm-hmm. that fake friendship. That's all that is. But good point right. made, though. Good point made. Good point made. Yeah, he made some really good points. Let me go ahead and bring on Shiana B. Shiana, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hi, lovely T. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. How are you? Good. So I'm from Louisville, and I was wait, wait, say, wait, wait, say it one more time, Louisville. That's how they say it. Say it again. Louisville. I love how y'all say it. Louisville. So I'm from Louisville, and I knew a lot about that static major. And in my like, when I was in like late elementary, early middle school. Uh, the radio was still in and the interviews that you were playing, I remember it was so much talk in the city. And another mm-hmm. thing that I want to hit on that's even deeper with the Little Wayne situation is if anybody else is from Louisville, they can quote me as well and um, correct me. But every time he's supposed to come in Louisville to perform, he never shows up. Who Little Wayne to this day, right? Yes. Like I've heard that, but I thought it was just, you know, internet fodder. So that's no, true. I've been no. I've heard that. Yes. Yes. They booked him and mind you, yes, Lil Wayne is very talented. He's he's like an icon. We we I grew up on Lil Wayne. Every time he comes, I've literally bought tickets. He was supposed to come uh for a derby. He had they had this big thing. It sold out literally because of Lil Wayne. Didn't show up. Every time he's supposed to come, he does not show up. That is weird. It's, huh. it's so weird, mind you. Now that, and, and that's funny that you say that because, like, I was trying to show in the documentary when I brought everybody back to, like, 2009, 2010, that whole sacrifice thing 
was really it really like grew legs because of Lil Wayne's actions towards Static. Like after a while, people were like, "Well, damn, did he get the man killed? Like, why are you so secretive and not wanting to acknowledge him?" And you fast forward, what, like fourteen years later, he still has not come and performed not one time in Louisville. No, what? no, wow. he has not came one time. And it's really funny, like not funny, but it's just really weird because Static is like a huge thing here. And I know people who have known him personally. He also um, did a lot of work with like organizations specifically with like music here. And he's mm-hmm. what I've heard. I've never met him personally, but everyone has always said he's such a genuine person. And mm-hmm. I just don't understand how Lil Wayne can't give him any type of credit. And now, I really hope that the sacrificing thing is not true, but it's just so weird how he doesn't. I've literally never heard Wayne say his name, really. Yeah, yeah. In all these years, and that was his number one biggest hit that was his crossover because like I showed in the documentary I mean we all listened to Lil Wayne we was here for bling bling and you know what I'm saying um the hot, hot boys and we know all those songs um but at the end of the day that lollipop is what gave him his commercial success so for him to not be you know somewhat indebted you know to static and Louisville is just it's it's just weird to me it's very strange he's never giving back like I mean we have Bryson we have Jack Harlow that literally every time a celebrity comes to Louisville they always either shout out Bryson Tiller they shout out Jack Harlow Little Wayne has never given not one thing to Louisville he he didn't like donate I'm pretty sure his wife started something for static in memory for him he has mm-hmm. not done one thing at all like at all and it's it's mind it's mind-blowing that he hasn't even came and performed here and you play that song and you play any song that he's written in Louisville with like a older not an older crowd but maybe like middle age crowd they go crazy mm-hmm. oh yeah we love us some static honey yeah so <laughs> I, I, I I was really surprised I was honestly so surprised when it popped up that you were doing that doc I was like oh my god so I I watched it immediately and I know I sent uh, I was telling my friends about it, and some people were commenting. I think they're trying to send the link to his wife as well. Okay, yeah, I've seen some people trying to tag her. I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to like slide in her DMs, like here, you know, I did a doctor. You know, I don't know. I don't know the process. She's what I've heard. She's she's really sweet, and okay. she loves when you give her credit. So I I, okay. I would I would I would definitely like you know just say hey, I've done some research and. Yeah, I, I, you've done a really got, good job from a Louisville native standpoint. Everything that you hit on was honestly like spot on, spot on. Thank you so much. That makes me feel so good. And I'm so glad that Louisville is really loving the doc. Because like I said, I had to call a few friends and talk to a few friends from Louisville who knew Static and, you know, some who knew of him. And it's a, it was almost like bringing back old memories it was almost like yesterday for them you know and they were just talking about you know the things that they thought and and it brought them back to that you know era of 2009 2010 and you know just what was going on around that time and to this day his death does not sit well with a lot of people at all sit well with a lot of people in louisville as well and just from a different perspective in louisville we have these really big spines so like a lot of famous people um 
you'll see there like these big signs on really big buildings. And I think they were trying to get him one. They still haven't gotten him one yet. Jennifer Lawrence has one here and she wasn't even born in Louisville. So. <laughs> oh yeah. They give Jennifer Lawrence a lot of props, honey. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Shiana, for calling in. It was really good talking to you. Thank you. All right. She made some really good points. Um, if you're in Louisville, because I see some people in Louisville, <laughs> if I'm saying it right, hoodie, um, in the chat, free, feel free to let me know that you're from Louisville, and I'll bring you on, because I definitely want to hear from the hometowners. Um, so, yes, represent y'all zip codes and, and area codes. <laughs> <laughs> she made some good points. She did. I was so glad she stood up. I can't wait to hear from the rest of people in Louisville. I hope I said it right, y'all. With my right. Chicago draw. <laughs> um, but you know, it was something really interesting too that you pointed out mm-hmm. in there. And I thought that was just really fascinating and kind of tying into what she said because she's bringing it back and she's confirming stuff. You ain't been there 14 years. And you, and you know, for me, as I was watching it, I was just kind of sitting there listening to you talk and I was looking at it and I was just going back in my mind. And I do remember little Wayne in that transition. And again, mm-hmm. I was busy. I was living life. But I just remember, like Maya Angelou said, you may not know what pe- remember what people say to you, but you remember how you felt. And mm-hmm. I was kind of going back in time with you while you were talking. And I remember feeling that transition. And I could never remember, never really remembering or knowing exactly why until I watched this. I said, it makes all the goddamn sense in the world. Did he take on his persona? Like you said, that he sopped them of his life resources and then moved on. Because now, you know, look at how karma got you. Your little three dreadlocks are hanging on hairs. I mean, you can't walk around looking like a zombie forever and think you're going to be fly. Like, I'm petty. Let me shut up. I'm sorry. Let me just. Super petty. Super petty. But yeah, you know, a lot of people forget that that was his crossover hit. Because, yeah, he went from, you know, like, like even uh, Diamond Blue was saying, where he was arguing with people and saying, well, why is my music not getting played in New York? Because remember, back then, the North didn't really mess with the South. They weren't really fooling with Atlanta and Texas and, you know, New Orleans and all that stuff. New York was trying to, you know, they were, quote, unquote, the king of hip hop. So they really didn't pay him no mind. But once that lollipop went, you know, commercial. Then you saw a lot of New York people jumping on tracks with Lil Wayne. Remember Fat Joe? I make it ring. Uh-huh. You know, let me get an umbrella. That song, that that's that was like a crossover. It's like, okay, fine. We're going to stop this whole New York and Southern beef thing. We're going to start working with the South. A lot of that was thanks to Static. A lot of that was thanks to Static. You know, if it wasn't for that song. Right. Right. For us who do knew but didn't know. There's a lot of people who didn't know, and that's fair. We get mm-hmm. there's no shade in not knowing. You know, that's right. why stuff like this is really informative and we can have these conversations. And again, for me, it's going back to remember what it was like. And you kind of started with talking about CNC Music Factory. And I'm like, girl, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, because that was the first time that I realized that for me, that's when the mirage broke. Because yes. like I said, you know, I'm I'm a kid in like the fourth grade. And I remember that song was so hot because every time it would come, we'd all run to the TV and we start dancing and everybody dance now. So Right. And then you and then and then also think about it, the, the featured model, the singer was a beautiful dark skinned woman. So yes. as far as representation, we also looked up to that model. So now yes. when this big light skinned woman is coming out a year later talking about that's my song, we were like, Hold up, no. 
no, it's not, <laughs> you know. But then when she got on the Arsenio Hall show and she blew mm-hmm. that song out the water, that kind of, that broke the facade of the music industry for me. And then I also remember around that time, you Millie are Vanilli. Right. You are right. Millie yes, Vanilli. You hit it. When you, it was so funny because as I was, and this is the first, you know, the first maybe 19 minutes, y'all, for those of you who really want to time it. Like you're in there talking about it, and as you're talking, just I'm, it's hitting my mind just before you said. I'm like, did she go in with the Martha Wash? Did she bring that up? And then the thing about it is, I remember that too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my whole world was altered in a way that I was like, wait a minute, y'all did what? And then Millie Vanilli, and you know, mm-hmm. and then there were a few other controversies. And like you said, it made me look at the industry so much differently. So then when Prince, ten years later came out with white slave on the side of his face. I already mm-hmm. knew what time it was. When Michael was sitting up here saying they don't care about us and who's bad and all of this other stuff that he was talking about, the social justice and his music, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Here we are. You made some good points though. You made some good points. So I, I can't wait to see what everybody else got to say. Definitely. So let me go ahead and bring on Shonda. Shonda, go ahead and meet your microphone. So I think a song that stuck out to me uh was Aaliyah Never Know More. Um I think because that song really discussed like domestic violence and I remember being so young hearing that song. I'm like, no one would ever do that to Aaliyah. And then like obviously like when we see, you know, the men that she's been with past and the things that she's been through, I'm just like happy that he was able to bring that out of her. So today's show sponsor is Chime.com. Kick off 2022 with a better checking account with no monthly fees. Chime is an award-winning app and debit card that has no overdraft fees, foreign transaction fees, monthly fees, or service fees. With over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs in many locations like most Walgreens, 7-Elevens, CVS, you can access your money when you need it, where you need it. You'll also be able to send money to anyone, even if they aren't on Chime. So make sure your first good decision of the new year is to join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up only takes two minutes and it does not affect your credit score. To get started, go to Chime.com forward slash sip slow. Again, that's Chime.com forward slash sip slow. Banking services provided by and debit cards issued by Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC get fee-free transactions at any MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Otherwise, out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Sometimes pay anyone instant transfers can be delayed. The recipient must use a valid debit card or be a Chime member to claim funds. So make sure you guys check them out. So um, I just think that's really important. Um, and it also makes me really sad that she went through that at such, such a young age. Um, and I don't, and this is probably somewhat off topic, but when people bring up like the photos of with her, with all these different celebrity men, I just feel really sad. But obviously she must have felt some type of uh, trust with him to allow her to express that in her music. Because that song is like, it still hits me to this day. So that's all I wanted to say. Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me go ahead and uh, call on 
Z, Ashe, go ahead and unmute your microphone. I'm in her microphone. Hello, can Hello? you hear me? Sorry Hi. about that. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed the documentary. You did such a good job. Thank um, you. With it. I, I'm a 90s baby, and I didn't realize how, um, I didn't realize he had his hand in all of those artists' career it was, especially Genuine. Genuine is one of my favorite R&B artists. I listen to his music all the time, and he basically made Genuine. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But um, I wanted to hit on a couple of things. Um, now, I don't I mean, I don't think Little Wayne had anything to do with his death. It's, I think, well, let me say this. I don't think he sacrificed him personally. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. But I think that it's strange how two weeks after they shot the video, he ends up dead. I think maybe he was marked on the set. And maybe somebody else had him in mind to say some, I don't know. But I think after he shot that video, maybe he was followed and, you know, they were able to keep tabs on him, um, that type of thing. But I don't think Lil Wayne was the, I don't think he swapped energy or anything like that, but that's just my opinion. Um, also with the songwriters, it's really messed up what is what happens to songwriters in the industry. Um, that this one artist, the Hours and Hours Lady Money Long, she was talking about that, how a lot of artists, um, uh, she got into it with K. Michelle because K. Michelle stole her song and they were going back and forth and Keisha Cole was going back and forth with her. This was on the internet? Yeah, this was on the internet. They were, mm-hmm. um, Money Long was talking about it. She, I think she did an interview or something. And mm-hmm. K. Michelle clapped back, K. Michelle's sister clapped back. It was that song VSOP, which was one of her biggest songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just was saying how they don't, how a lot of songwriters don't get the credit. She was saying even in sessions, like the female songwriters can't go in there looking too cute because then the artist may be like, okay, who is this? You know, the artist oh, might wow. be making on them. Yeah, she 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 did. I forgot who she. Did. I think it was with Ebro. But I was watching her, that interview and I was just surprised because she's a she's another one. She's responsible for Ariana Grande, uh, Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber. A whole she's wrote written for a whole lot of artists. So yeah, they said she wrote a lot of Keisha Cole songs and she has a beautiful voice. Yeah, she does. She's really really talented. She's she's done pop, R and B, pretty much everything and. It's just sad that, you know, they don't really get the just do, but I'm glad she's kind of blowing up now. Um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful documentary, T. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in, sis. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye, everybody. You too. Let's go ahead and bring on Jamie Wolf. Jamie Wolf, go ahead and mute your microphone. Hey, T. Can everybody hear me? We can hear you perfectly. How are you? I'm good. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I am a huge longtime fan uh, and am a little starstruck right now. Like, no lie. Oh, don't Uh, be. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I am about to be 35. I am Mm -hmm. a child of Aaliyah. Aaliyah and Left Eye Mm. were the first two deaths that just rocked me. Like, I, to this day, remember seeing, you know, the Rock the Vote video and then finding out that she had passed and just like, it it was, it was, you know, one of those life-changing events. Everybody has them. 
and what right. stunned me and I I know somebody was like what does New Orleans got to do with Lil Wayne and uh you know ritual magic and stuff like that but that I, if you don't know that that is the home of ritual magic in this country that is talk about it <laughs> the birthplace and Wayne if you listen to interviews which I I literally was a stripper when Lollipop came out so like okay. I danced to that song I in freaking Richmond Kentucky like I know there were people that would come in and be like turn that trash off because they didn't mm. fuck with him after that excuse my language they didn't mess mm-hmm. with him after, like that like they they were very uncomfortable with the fact that, and and I I remember because I was in college with a lot of guys that were you know trying to do something with their music career. They were trying. I'm a musician myself. I'm a singer and songwriter, and so mm-hmm. like you know being in that part of the country at that time with a lot of other guys that were coming out of Louisville, uh, they hated him. They did not like him. right. That's what people don't understand. Like I said, I had to go back and call people that I knew from Louisville. Like, the hate was real because of how he did Static. Like, Static was supposed to... That song, Lollipop, what people don't understand, was supposed to put on for Louisville. That was supposed to be, like, you know how people look at Miami or Atlanta? That's how people were supposed to look at Louisville because of that song. But what ended up happening is that they look at New Orleans in that way because of that song and not Louisville. So people in Louisville took that real personal. They did. And people reciprocated then down the road when, as, you know, previous callers was stated, like, he didn't even want to do the deed of coming back and speaking and or performing for the people of Louisville after literally, and I, this is just what I believe, that video reads a lot of, if you want to talk esoteric nature of just looking at the music industry that video reads as a ritual like there's mm-hmm. i mean literally like there's a cleansing a preparation ritual at the beginning they right, you the see the water in the tub journey. yes yes mm-hmm. like it's, it's all there and so it when you then find out the end because i remember watching that night when it premiered and i was like wait what the what do you mean he's dead because i was one of those kids that like i said i wanted to be a singer. So I read the booklets. I knew who he was Mm -hmm. and just finding out that he died that night. It was just insane. I don't even remember an MTV, like do, do, do little blur. Like, Nothing. Not the MVP beat from back in the day. No, she did not. No, she did not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I used to sound, too. <laughs> yeah. It was. <laughs> like, yeah, no, nothing. So, I mean, I your documentary is, as always, on point, spot on, dead on. I cannot wait to see where else you go in the music industry. I... I'm here for the ride. You kill it every time. Thank you so much, Jamie. Y'all make sure y'all get Jamie her diamonds, honey. They're they're hitting you up with diamonds. Double tap her face. (laughs) Thank you. You're so welcome. Well, thank you for coming in. No problem. Anytime. You have an amazing night. All right. You too. Bye. Lady J, she kept the 100. She said I was a stripper. stripper. In Kentucky. (laughs) And when they used to try and play lollipop, people be like, turn that shit off. My girl got stories. The way she came on the scene, (laughs) Jamie got stories. Anyway, I seen her.
Right. There's just no rhyme or reason for the imagery that they're putting out. So, you know, at that point, people do have to ask, well, what is the point of this? You know, like, like what are y'all really trying to say to our subconscious? Yeah, because I remember, you know, I am pretty young. I'm only 23, but I remember even E featuring Alicia Keys when they came out with Gangsta Loving. It's just like a regular video, you know, they're chilling by the pool. But now there's like crazy symbols and stuff like that. I remember the first time I watched the WAP music video and just seeing mm-hmm. like the rooms and, you know, the Gemini twin statues and all that. And it was Gemini mm-hmm. season. And I was telling my friends about it and they thought that I was like crazy. But I'm like, you have to pay attention to these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. And it's in a lot of just different videos. And even back then, and see, back then with the lollipop, you know, a lot of us weren't like really woke back then. You know, you just watch videos, you had fun, you were young. But when I went back and I watched it with adult eyes and more aware, you know, consciously, there was just a lot of things I saw in that video, like the duality and, and the, you know, the, the bathtub, the water, and then above it, there's like the flame, there's a fireplace, there's a flame, then you see like little, the little, uh, it looks like a sun symbolism yeah. above the bathtub. Like, I didn't even speak on that in the documentary, but there's just a lot of imagery. And then, you know, just the constant black and white theme. So it was just a lot of stuff in there. And then when he put the sucker up to his eye. So, yeah, you got to pay attention to that stuff. and But you'll miss it because it's so subtle. Yeah, and I'm happy that you mentioned the numbers on the dice. When I seen that, I was like, wow, I didn't even pick that up. Like, how it mm-hmm. added up the day that he passed away. It's just like, it's all pretty airy when you look at it. And it Definitely. kind of scares me from the industry because people tell me to, oh, you should sing, you should model, you should act. And it, like, pushes you away because it's like, you know, you might not make it out. Yeah, I mean, it it all depends. You have to go in there strong and knowing who you are and understanding, you know, what your limits are, what what are your boundaries and what you're willing to accept and not accept. And some people, you know, they want that fame so bad they don't care. And other people are willing to walk away from it all. So it just really depends on the individual. Yeah, but I just want to thank you for your efforts and keeping it interesting after all these years on YouTube. And thank you so much for bringing me up. Definitely. You have a good evening. You too. He made some real good points, Lady J. As far as like the industry and and all that stuff, I think he hit on a lot of points. He did. He did. Gave some flowers too. Um, But yeah, I was kind of (laughs) shocked. He did. But I was kind of shocked too. Um, I remember when the first time again, not necessarily one of the words, remember the feeling of watching the Lollipop video when it first came out. Because I can't remember what Lil Wayne did before, because I knew of him before, but he just didn't, he just seemed like some skateboard dude. You know, you know what I'm saying? Just like some mm-hmm. kind of skateboard, you know, grunge thug. You know, that's kind of how <laughs> he came to me. Um, and then, you know, it just turns into this, because he was so soft-spoken. You know, well, he, he um, really did the skateboard thing when he dropped his like seventh studio album, when he did the rock and roll type album, the rebirth. Mm-hmm. That's when he was really getting into like skateboarding. That was after um, the Carter Three. Okay. Yeah, that was after but Carter I just Three. Remember, I just remember him just not being that persona. And so maybe it was a skateboard. Yeah, it's after the fact. But I just remember looking at that video and thinking, wow, this is so different. Does It doesn't match. And then when we said the dice, I was like, oh, wow. Like, 
I don't pick up on stuff like that. <laughs> like sometimes yeah. I do, and sometimes I don't. And and it is true. Like the the male the stallion video, because we were talking about this in Discord and stuff a, a while back. Like, yeah, why are these videos not matching? Like, where is the it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, that's what, and I don't, I used to love watching the videos. It really made the music for me. Now, some of it is trash. Yeah, for me, I, unless people, unless people ask me to watch the videos, I'm getting asked over and over again. I just don't watch a lot of music videos anymore. Um, because it just, it doesn't match the song. And it'll make me not like the song. I'd rather just go in and yeah. listen to a song and decide if I like it or not. But I know once I watch the video, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be disappointed. Like, I think the last video that I really enjoyed that just kind of gave me an old school feel was the Jack Harlow and um, Brian, uh, Brian uh, Bryson Tiller, excuse me, video. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I thought with the with her playing, how much is static. I liked it that. That felt old school. You know, where it just it had a point. Everything do, flowed. Yeah. Right. That's what you And now it's just do. sexual and, and, and just a bunch of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'd love to see, you know, more of that type of ilk. Like, come, let's do something different. But it also kind of plays into what you kind of brought up in the clips is that even with Prince Child, that damn classic Tavis Smiley interview with you gave it look like, and my microphone is on. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Prince did not play. Baby, rest in peace, Prince. But what he was saying was that because he was such a genius, he was the purple one, he heard music in color. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but it Mm -hmm. it spoke to his, his level of genius. He 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 operated on a completely different wavelength than everybody else did. So he didn't understand sampling. And so when you have a constant, you know, sampling, no one is using their own juices and creative juices anymore, and that's reflected in a music video. There's there's not much effort put in into anymore. So when you got this other video with this kind of throwback, that's the type of cool stuff I like. Like let's let's be fun. Let's have some fun, you know. Now, do you know why why uh, Prince would say that he would see music in color? When when he was saying that, what I get is this: a lot of people who write music to get into like anything. If you're a very creative, artsy person, even like for me, when I make videos, you're starting with a blank canvas. Like mm. you might think of a topic. You might, it might be a picture that inspires you, but think about, even if we go back to the caveman era, okay, they didn't really necessarily have like a physical language to write down. What did the caveman do? They wrote in pictures. So that's what a lot of times songwriters do. They see things like pictures and colors and imagery that inspires them. And then they're able to write off of that. So pictures is like, you know, it it can go into like visual form, like for editing and movies and things like that. But it also plays a big role in music and songwriting. And it does. And I've always thought, for me personally, um, I've always thought of people with certain type of traits or qualities or skill sets that the average people didn't have. I always looked at them like gods in a way, like, because I do believe we have this essence of higher beings, right? And some of us Mm -hmm. vibrate low and some of us vibrate high, you know, not to get too deep, but 
Prince was one of those people that I say, if you want to put somebody on a pantheon of, of gods, he ranks up there. Like, he was just a gifted, just genius. Static falls in that line. If he's not a god, he's definitely a captain. But, you know, there's just certain people who just come on this earth with a certain skill set that none of us have. And we sit back and we marvel at their excellence. And we have to do that when they're here. And like you said, it's so unfortunate that he didn't get that. Because, um, man, you know, just he just, his impact on the culture is just so real. And the fact that you're the only person that I know that's done something like this to, to give him his credit is sad. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what I mean? Not to say that what you didn't do was good, but you get my point. You know right. Now watch Hulu and Netflix copy, but I digress. All right, let's go ahead and bring on Tierra Bowman. Tierra, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey T, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you perfectly. Okay. Thank you for uh calling me up. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I watched the documentary and it was like so good it brought back so many memories because around the time that all this stuff was happening I was like in seventh and eighth grade and um we went to um, I lived in the sub sun and my friend Your phone cut out you said you live in the suburbs and what I'm sorry it, it's my wi-fi but um yeah so I had like, you know, friends that had money and I would go to my friend's house, like her house, like my house was like, you know, standard size, like suburban home. Hers was like huge, like, you know, they had a pool in their basement and stuff like that. And Static Major lived across the street from her and we didn't even know until like we started playing with his kids outside and they were like, oh, my dad's Static Major. We're like, who's that? Like, we didn't know who that was. Nobody like really ever talked about him. And then um, he was like, he was like, I'll just show y'all since y'all don't believe me. So he took us down to like the little studio area of like their house. And he showed us all the pictures that he had with Aaliyah and stuff. We were like, what? Like he worked with Aaliyah? Like she's my favorite. Like how can we wow. know him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like we, I told, like went home and told my like sister and stuff. She's like, yeah, I never heard of Static Major. Mm -hmm. She was like, are you sure? Like he's not lying. I'm like, no, he's not lying. And then a little while after that, <laughs> a little while after that, um, they had like, he was like, yeah, we're about to move into this bigger house because my daddy, you know, he's like working in the industry right now. He has like really good gigs lined up and stuff. And I was like, well, like, okay. And then like, they showed us like pictures of like their new house and stuff. We're like, damn, like just shit it on us. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, like a little bit after that, that's when Lollipop came out. We were, and I was like, see, like, this is what we were talking about. They were like, damn, like how you should have told me sooner. My sister said she was pissed. But <laughs> um, yeah, after Lollipop came out, um, th then he like passed away, like a, like a little bit after that. And everybody was just so confused. They were like, he just got big, like, you know, he just got this nice house. Like, he's doing, like, everything for his family. He was definitely a family man. He took care of his kids and his wife. Um, mm -hmm. So everybody was sad. Like, even my grandma, she don't know nothing about no rap stuff. But when she heard out that, like, he passed away like that, she was like, yeah, something's wrong with that. They poisoned him or something. You know how grandmas are. But that, they be telling the truth, though. 
but yeah, we were just like dumbfounded, like, damn, like this. He was young too, like living in a nice ass neighborhood that only had like, you know, old white retired people that lived there, like in his like early thirties, like, you know, everybody was like mm-hmm. proud of him, like looked up to him. And then after this happened, they were just like, like, damn, like who do we have? Like, like, why did I, like, how did this happen? Everybody was just dumbfounded, but yeah. I thank you for like making this like documentary because it has not been talked about since and like nobody has ever said anything. But thank you so much right. for like all the extra Definitely. details that I even I didn't know. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us know that you know y'all hung out with these kids and stuff. That's really interesting too. Yeah, it was I like appreciate I, that. when you brought it back up, I was like, damn, I hung out with these kids and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, you're welcome, T. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, have a good evening. You too. All right, let me go ahead and bring on um, Authentic Epic. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello? I'm sorry about that. Auntie T, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I want to say thank you for the documentary you did. You always do awesome work on everything you do. And I was over here. I felt like you didn't. I mean, I was like, do I have a wig on still? I think I feel like my auntie didn't put on my lashes. I didn't find out information that just blew me away. I was just really stuck. Like, wow, he wrote all these songs that I've been listening mm-hmm. to. And, and you, when you, I just feel like it's sad in that industry in general, they don't never want to give somebody the credit. And it's always about stealing and other stuff. And it kind of made me think about Ashanti a lot. You know, she's written a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. I think you know where I'm getting at. And I'm like, well, several songs, uh, J-Lo, that, that, that's not you, honey. I, I hear I mean, there's yeah, there's tracks where when you listen to J Lo songs, they didn't even take off Ashanti's part. She's like in the background of the tracks that J Lo was supposed to sing. They just left it in there. Right, I'm like y'all just didn't care at all, did you? You know, so I, I just feel like that that it made me think about that and other people, and it's just very sad because he was very talented. And when I think about Lil Wayne, the first thing I think about him when it comes to him because I feel like he's a talented rapper, but that's not really my point. I feel like when I look at him now, I'm like, well, you have progressed in your life. You got cash, money, and all this other stuff. But when I look at him, I don't see a person that's not only happy. I feel, I, I look at somebody, I feel like that looks like school tour. Like, you know what I mean? Somebody that's constantly going through something. Have you been slowly going through some shit since this happened? Because you have not been accountable and you got to guilt you because of what's going on. Because I feel like sometimes when you go through stuff, it slowly hits you. It doesn't, karma doesn't always, you know, as they say, whoop your ass right away. But I just feel like there's mm-hmm. a lot of things people do him and genuine. You, you're not giving him credit, but you call him your friend. You're giving out fake love. People see that. They pay attention to that. Because I remember cheering to you. My mother used to be like, girl, you know, turn that shit down. I'm tired of you. I'm playing it over and over on repeat. Over and over again. And I was like, I'm mean, going to turn this down before I get in trouble. But uh, yeah, I just feel like music like that is, is so different. He has paved the way for a lot of artists, a lot of songwriters, and I just hope that whatever is being done in the industry, they get more props and get more money for publishing and other stuff, for the streaming and everything you were talking about. So I just wanted to say that and say thank you. I love you so much, and thank you for everything you do this court day. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling in, sis. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. She made some good points, Lady J. And... I mean, at this point in time, I think that the industry needs to decide because I think the old guards are changing. I really do. I think a lot of people are not going to sit back anymore and not receive their just dues. 
And I think now with the internet and, you know, people, you know, cancel culture, people are feeling more comfortable to speak out. This is a new day. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we are definitely, you know, history is made every day, but there are epics and there are eras and there are moments and we are definitely living in one. There's a lot of going on. And I think with a lot going on and then the rise of technology, because that's part of this conversation, too. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he wasn't really well known because it was just my space and it wasn't even that. Right. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, and so with that being said, you have young people our kids because we're mothers right you know mm-hmm. so our kids and you know I, I forget what great you know is it gen, gen x then gen y i don't know but you know who grew up with technology <laughs> and you know we're that gap in between so we see things from a different place we were at a place where it wasn't technology tech we grew up and then technology came into a place and then we grew up with it and with that comes information and knowledge these kids are not for the bullshit you can't mm-hmm. sit here and expose somebody else for wrongdoing me too i want my just to too if this person is getting justice over here i want justice over here too it has to be universal so i think that we're going to see more of this um situation where a lot of groups are going to come out and demand that they're just due and the music industry is just the latest in line Point yeah, to, even you know. even JJ Fad recently was going off on social media. You know, they wrote Supersonic. You know, back in there, that was their yeah. song. They were the first female rapper signed to um, Easy E's label. Well, Disney decided to do. Disney has like some type of new cartoon out, and so you have a bunch of babies online where they're in front of the TV dancing, and the cartoon is dancing to the song Supersonic. And so JJ Fad is like, okay, we didn't okay this. We didn't, you know, like who asked Disney to use our song in their promo or in their show? Like we're contacting our lawyers. We want our bag. Whereas back in the day, you might have just had to sit there and eat it. But now they're like Mm -hmm. going off on social media now. And they're saying like, no, you're not going to sit there and use our music in your Disney show and, and not compensate us. And I think that a lot of people are seeing, you know, the writings on the wall because Back in the day, you wouldn't have a songwriter like Mooney Long, Long speaking out and saying things and other songwriters. Like when Beyonce was claiming credit for Neo's song and was saying that she wrote, you know, the to the left, to the left. She said that she wrote that. And that's when Neo had to come out like, uh, no, you didn't. You know, I wrote it. You may have helped. You may have, you know, sang a verse or said a few words. But no, that was my song. And people went in on Neo back then. Oh, how dare you disrespect Queen B? And then what did Neo do? He dropped the whole, you know, the, the track that he made. Where he made the male version of it. To prove, yeah, to prove that, no, I did write this song. There goes the original version. You know, so I think, I don't know if it's ego or people being scared to lose their status, you know, because you want everybody to think that you're that guy, you're that girl, you're that genius, and you're really mainly the face. And I'm not saying that about just Beyonce. I mean, it's a lot of people. Look at Jennifer Lopez. Most of her catalog is stolen. I mean, like I said... Ashanti's back should be hurt as much as she carried Jennifer Lopez. Child, Jenny from the but, blog, girl. Yeah, like everything, like a lot of her music was stolen. The people who wrote her music, who performed her music, they did not get any type of credit. But look how big J-Lo is. I mean, J-Lo is an icon at this point. 
off of other people's work. She performed at the Super Bowl. Ashanti is still performing at hood clubs. How is that Girl, okay? In the words of Major Lazer, you can come, or not Major Lazer, Static Major, you can come better, you can come better than that, some of the loose rap. Girl, because she ain't got no lyrics. I can't stand J-Lo, girl. She is so tired. I can't stand her. <laughs> her and Puffy belong together, girl. We, I'm sorry. I got triggered when you said her. She just make me Because <laughs> she right. You know, it, thank God for Ashanti. Can I say how gorgeous she looks? Like, I ain't seen her mm-hmm. in no photo where her ain't flawless. I'm mad that my backside don't sloop like hers, you know, she looks good and she's been carrying a lot of people on that back. So brava, you know, Ashanti, yeah. you know, they try it's, to come at you, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, even Carrie Hilson, like somebody said in the chat, um, Jay yeah, Phoenix, Carrie Hilson, true. Ashanti, Max. Sia, Mooney Long, uh, Tyler Prax. It's a lot of these writers that deserve their respect, just like the artists, you know, so many times we only praise the artists, but it's like, who wrote the song behind that artist? So I'm going to go ahead and bring on some more people here. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's time for songwriters to all stand up and really speak out about the injustices that happen with the industry. There's a book that I recommend everybody read if you are interested in joining the music industry. It is called Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. Hello? Your phone went out. It, like, muted. Yeah. Hello? What is the book? It went out? Oh, my gosh. It's called Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. By okay. The I think the latest edition is like the eighth edition. And it goes into everything about the streaming breakdowns, royalties, joining BMI, ASCAP. These are all things that budding songwriters need to know. Do they talk about who comes up with the, the splits and the amount that's paid on streaming? Because I never understood how they came up with like zero 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 point one percent of a penny. Does he go into that? Myself, but it doesn't okay. into all the breakdowns, but it's ridiculous. At this point, honestly, it's time for people to go against a lot of these streaming companies, too. Mm. More has to be done. Yeah, because artists definitely made more money when it was physical copies like records and CDs. They do, and most of the money they're making is really coming from the merchandise at the concerts. That's why the Shirts and stuff cost so much money when you go to these concerts. I just went to a concert the other day, and the shirts are starting off at like forty, fifty dollars. Hoodies for like seventy, eighty. You know, mm-hmm. that's how they got to eat. So I'm not mad at it. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for calling in. It was good talking to you. You too. All right. So let me go ahead. Let me try uh, Shant- Shantia again. Let's see if her phone is fixed. Okay, sis, go ahead and unmute. A little bit. Just try and talk it really loud. Okay, well, um, I just want to touch a little bit on the um, documentary. Um, I knew who Static was when he tried to cast me. I knew he was a group called Player. Like, years later, I didn't know he was a producer. I'm not sure about the conspiracy theory of why he had. It could be that no one wanted to give him credit. I feel like a lot of black artists get looked over. And I feel like with Wayne maybe he's being a little stubborn. For not giving his credit, and I did that part. I did not know Louis was accused to give his credit. I need to say thank you to him. If he didn't come to his hometown to perform, he could have said thank you. And when I was walking back to Mary, I was kind of upset with that. I didn't care for that at all because Louis was one of my favorite. I'm from New Orleans, 
So he was one of my favorite rappers out of Hot Bars beat. But as time go on, I didn't really care too, too much for Lil Wayne as that. Mm-hmm. I like him sideways because, you know, people forget when they be on top. It wasn't a hurt thing. He didn't have to perform at his hometown, but you could have said thank you. You could have said thank you because, like you said, I never thought about it that it weren't for static. Lil Wayne would be where he's at today. And I feel like it makes you side-eye people, and it makes you also, I hope the young kids are younger not to eye celebrities because it makes you side-eye them. Because I'm like, it weren't for that person looking out for you, you would be where you're at today. It wouldn't hurt you just to say thank you. And then you did on a YouTube channel, just say thank you. That's all. And so to me, mm-hmm. maybe the conspiracy theory, I can see why people running with that. It could be maybe he was stubborn to say thank you because people was calling out on it. It was going to hurt you to say that. They make you look at people very different. And also to the songwriters, I thought they got royalties and publishing. I didn't know they didn't. I didn't know they get royalties. I thought I didn't know they only just get publishing. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like when it comes to black talent, black folks get over, step to the side. Santi, she's one of them. She don't get the recognition she deserves. I just understand why is it like that. Yeah, it's sad, and it's been going on since the beginning of the record industry. But thank you so much for calling in. You definitely made some good points. Thank you. All right, bye. Okay, let me go ahead and bring on uh, Shervinia Pettigrew. Hello. Hey, oh, we can hear you. Ooh, well, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. I'm glad. I don't want to get the business on the podcast, honey. <laughs> yes, but, uh, but um, oh, Hi Lady J, Outer Tea Sipper. Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I haven't watched the documentary yet. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's just taking me a minute because that was my era. I am from Louisville. Okay. I, I moved here in 90, so him, Static, uh, his group, Player, Timberland, Missy, all them were my favorite because it was something different. And it wasn't like, you know, all the hardcore stuff that was out. And I loved it. So just being from Louisville, and uh, I appreciate the documentary, just that you even made it. Because, like, the one chick was saying from Louisville, he doesn't have uh, a picture here, like, on the side of a building, like, how we honor all, you know. Yeah. Tupac going. and Biggie and everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just from Louisville, like, you have... Uh, different Louisville uh, people who have made it, like uh, Diane Sawyer, different people like that on side of the building. And I know okay. one, they were trying to get one for him, and they haven't done it. So, and as far as Little Wayne, no, he has not been back here. He hasn't been here. Um, I like Little Wayne still, but I am, I do feel slighted because I remember him being, or getting a Grammy or something, some type of award on award show for that uh, that song, and I was waiting to see if he was even going to acknowledge that, and I don't even think he did. I mean, I'll, somebody else can, you know, say something, you know, if they've heard of him, giving him any shout-outs, but I haven't. So, but other than that, I just appreciate it, and uh, that's all. Thank okay. you for the documentary. You're very welcome, ma'am. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Bye. Something was going on in the background. 
Somebody said, what in the haunted house? I can't stand y'all. <laughs> y'all petty as hell. Her phone was loud. It was just a lot going on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> okay, she wrote in the chat. She said she's in a warehouse, so it's warehouse stuff. Okay, Folks we still gonna, background we still gonna tease you, though. We still gonna tease you, friend. But go ahead and make that money. I <laughs> know <laughs> that's right. All right, let's go ahead and bring on. Let's see here, Alicia. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello. Hi, Alicia. Perfectly. Oh my God, lovely T. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Thank I love you. all your documentaries. I'm freaking out right now, so please forgive me. No, um, that's okay. <laughs> the documentary that I knew about Static Major years ago. I was probably I was a full grown adult by the time I by the time all that music came out. And I didn't know until I watched your documentary, the songs he was involved with, and it just blew me away because I was always like, oh, Timberland and this, that song by Timberland and Magoo was my favorite. He didn't mm-hmm. even, that, that wasn't even him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost like over, it's, it's kind of weird because over the past two years, it's like everything I thought I knew, I did, I had no clue that I did, really didn't know anything about. And, yeah, and it is mind blowing. <laughs> but i always i always had a feeling in the back of my mind the way little wayne blew up was weird it never it was just like all of a sudden he was yeah he was there he was good and all of a sudden all, he just blew up with that one song and it was just like but his lyrics for this didn't like improve and then all of a sudden he took off. So I was like, it, it just had to be something like, I always felt like there was something weird with that. And it just seemed mm-hmm. like the fact that he never thanked Static Major and he just took all this credit. And then I just feel like he's kind of getting his karma and he's going to get more. Yeah, I mean, but, it's going to be very interesting. You know, I just... It's been so long, so it's like, you know, what all can he do now, you know, to, like, make it up because it's been so many years. But it's just very interesting. I just think for the most part, people just have to learn and understand that no matter how much work you put in, you'll just have some people who are just leeches. They'll just leech and act like you didn't even exist. And I think that's, like, the saddest part in all of that because even when we go back to the swing mob era and the basement crew, um, Look how as abusive and, you know, quote unquote crazy as Devante was, Devante also taught them a lot as well. And even to this day, Devante has written a lot of music. He's produced a lot of stuff. He wrote literally every song on the Jodeci albums for the most part. Um, but he doesn't get the respect that he deserves as a songwriter either, either. You know, so it's like people, you know, we listen to these iconic songs, but we have no idea, literally the blood, sweat and tears that went into them and who was there in the studio and who did what. And so when you see just that person being the face of everything, that's why it's so easy for a person like Genuine to say, oh, I wrote Pony when he didn't. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. That song with Nas, with him and Nas, I thought he wrote that. No, and he didn't. Mm-mm. Now, on certain <laughs> themes, you will see people credited, right? So not to say that he's not on there as a credit, but again, 
sometimes people will get credit. That's why I make sure to put in the beginning of the documentary how sometimes that crediting process goes. It's not even because they actually did anything. I mean, there's been, if you go and you listen to some producers who talk about Dr. Dre, I need to do a deep dive on Dre next, but Dre did not come up with a lot of those hits. Really? Um, no, he did not. A lot of producers oh, have been have been blasting Dr. Dre for years. Dr. Dre will literally walk into a studio and be like, mm, change that snare, add a riff here, uh, change that beat, and then walk off. But they laid the whole foundation. But because he was like, put a snare here, move this right there, now he's on as a credit. You know what I'm saying? He gets credit, even though he did not create or compose everything. So even though you might see somebody's name in the credits, that does not account to how much work they actually put in. But because he's the bigger name, he's been able to basically reinvent himself from, you know, a gangster rapper to like one of the dopest producers in the game. There's way more. There's been guys blasting Dre for years, you know, so even though you'll see the star's name, like, okay, Beyonce was on the to the left, to the left. Her name is credited, right? as a producer or a writer, but how much work did Beyonce actually do? And if you're a songwriter and you're just starting out in the game, are you going to tell Queen Beyonce, well, ma'am, I wrote everything. All you did was say, to the left, to the left, but I wrote everything else. But now you're getting just as much credit as me who wrote all the rest of the lyrics. So that's why I have to show, you know, that that songwriting process is not always fair because then it comes down to the record label and the artist as far as the splits go. So we're supposed to be splitting something 50-50, but now because your cousin's in the studio or because now you want to add Justin Combs, who's a baby to a song, well, that's taken off of me from eating. Like, Justin Combs is going to be good because you're his daddy. But I don't have a puppy as my dad. So I need as much of that credit on the songwriting points as possible. But what they're running into is everybody's taking some of their points and running with it and splitting amongst friends and family. Like, literally not anybody can be on a publishing, um, you know, can get publishing on a song and you really didn't do any work. That's insane. And I hope that everybody that was involved in the writing process that didn't get their dues, I definitely hope that them speaking out changes or shifts the industry in their favor because that's not cool. Yeah. At all. I don't like that. And it's just like now I'm going back and listening to artists that I thought, you know, did this and themselves. And I'm just like, you you didn't. You you and you're out here claiming you did. That's not you don't deserve mm-hmm. my dollar for that. <laughs> That's just my opinion. You don't deserve my dollar for that. You're perpetrating. Yeah, even recently, Kid Cudi was blasting Kanye um, and Big Sean because he wrote for them. So. I heard that, too, and I'm from the Chicagoland area. I don't live in Chicago, but I'm about, about 30 minutes away. And, yeah, Kanye, a lot of people, when we, when we talk about Kanye, it's just like, mm, what's he doing now? I mean... You know, and uh, he's a genius to me, but at the same time, he needs some help. But that's a whole nother story. But All right. I want to thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you for having me. And um, I want to thank the T-Sippers, you know, for y'all letting me in the Discord and everything. And uh, y'all have a good evening. All right. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate you. Lady J. <laughs> Another Chicago girl. She must have tails. Because, yeah, we do feel like that about Kanye. Like, you south side Negro. Like, you know, see, the thing about it is, you know, 
it's that's a whole other story. I won't get into it, but I'll just say this. You know, a lot of this stuff is just really, really sad. And the, the part that really was illuminated for me is the songwriting process and how many people go into the process. And, you know, I'm going to go back to Prince. And he's like, what? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I am the purple one and I do everything. What are you talking about? And so when you have people come in, it was kind of like, I remember Buster Rhymes saying this in an interview somewhere. And he's like, you can't call yourself a goat if you had any writers on your shit. A real lyricist writes his own shit. Now, he ain't say nothing about the music, the beats, or nothing. He said the lyricist who writes his own shit. And and, mm-hmm. and and I think that that's true and that's factual. This is Busta Rhymes, you know, like sitting there just being quite honest. And so, you know, seeing the documentary and seeing how the process works where these people come in and eat, it's kind of disgusting. And I'm going to use Brother Love's example, Mr. Combs, putting your son on there. So now what you started is this like generational theft of, you know, black entertainers because, you know, niggas can't do number entertain anyway. That's our niche. That's where we're safe. You know, anything outside of that is a problem. You know, so let's go ahead and continue to take from them anyway and try to find unique ways to steal from them because we will continue to take from their intellectual property and their gifts. Yeah, you I mean, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people have been doing that. I mean, DJ Khaled. I mean, do we believe that Assad was really producing his album at the age of one? Right. Blue Ivy has, you know, credits on um because she said a few words on brown skin girl. So she got credits that way as well. So, I mean, I get it. You know, if your child, because at least we actually heard Blue Ivy's voice. But, you know, the other ones were babies and pampers. But, yeah, they're they're definitely doing that now. That's another way. Nas did it for his daughter. But, again, I'm okay with Nas doing it for his daughter because Nas actually wrote the, you know, the stuff he put his daughter on, he actually put That's the work in to it. Right. You know, it's, it's unfair to take somebody else's work and then put your child on there to benefit off of them. You know, which what I thought was just really bad with the whole thing that happened with um with um with Mace. And now let, let's talk about the whole hip hop thing. This whole having ghostwriters and and um. When hip hop started, it was supposed to be your thoughts, your feelings. You were not considered a real MC if you did not write your own music. But I think at this point in time, this generation doesn't care about those old school rules. I think for this generation, it's about a hot beat, some fun, crazy lyrics to dance to. So I think, is it time that we stop this foolishness of keeping people in the shadows as ghostwriters? Because trust and believe, there's ghostwriters in hip hop. Everybody's not penning their own shit. There are ghostwriters in hip hop, and we're even finding out now. Jay Z wrote Dr. Dre's verse on uh, the song that he did with Snoop. We just found that out, and that's my jam. So it's like we're not we're not understanding that people have been penning for other people for years, but in hip hop, it's like this stupid taboo. But it's not taboo in R and B. It's not taboo in country music. We knew that Dolly Parton wrote I Will Always Love You. Nobody not in Whitney Houston and said, well, these aren't your real thoughts. How dare you sing her song? Well, no, we love the song. We love Dolly Parton's song. We love Whitney Houston's song. So I think maybe things need to change at this point. And we need to stop this shaming of rappers if they're using a ghostwriter. Because all that does is that it keeps those writers from getting shine. I mean, look what happened when Quentin Miller was exposed for being Drake's ghostwriter. Like he was literally jumped and beat up. 
And his career in writing has not been the same since because everybody thought go, uh, Drake was writing everything. And we find out that, no, he has writers. A lot of and Drake's not the only one. He's not guilty of that. Cardi B's so not the only one. A lot writer. of people. I never got that. I and mean, why beat the writer up? Like, what the hell? Well, that was that was when Meek Mill and Drake were beefing. So they were oh, beefing and they wanted him. Yeah, they wanted him to admit on camera that he was Drake's ghostwriter and he wasn't going to oh, admit that because that would mess up his bag. Okay. Yeah, it was a bunch of mess. But since mm. then, um, I remember we did a video like maybe like five years after the situation. And it's just like it just it hasn't really worked out in his favor. And he did nothing wrong. He was doing a job that he was paid to do. So that's what I'm saying. Like, should we eventually stop the shaming and these weird expectations? Because let's keep it real. Hip hop is not even the type of hip hop that group that we grew up on in the 90s. You know, I'm in the nah. 2000s. So why are we putting 80s and 90s expectation on an artist like a Cardi B or on an artist like a Drake? Okay, y'all have writers, y'all have ghostwriters. Right, That's one right. thing I respect about it. She'll say like, yeah, Partisan wrote this or me and Partisan co-wrote this. And I think that's how she did because she's been honest about Party helping her. Now you see Partisan is being used and getting gigs and, you know, signing on to help other people write. And I think that's how it should be. I think the shaming has to stop in hip hop. I think it has to stop across the board, too. Like, I think there's and see, I think that, you know, for Americans specifically, you know, the concept of individuality is so strong, especially in such a macho machismo lane as lyricist rap was supposed to be quote right that shit was okay for ballads oh you can do a cover for a ballad it's okay you could do a cover for a country hit but you can't come over here hardcore rap you know what i'm saying i'm i'm you know it, it doesn't work right so mm-hmm. for me i agree with you but that's that signals that there's a problem with corrupt collaboration and that's a whole that that's an allegory for the the issues with black and brown people anyway we can't get together on nothing. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that you can't even sit here and reach out and say, yeah, I I wrote this, but my brother over here, my sister over here, or them two over here came over here and threw something in here, and we put it together, and this the hit we got. Move on. What's wrong with that? You're absolutely right. What What's wrong with that? And that speaks to something a little bit deeper. Um, mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that like the zero zero like point zero 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 one percent of what? How do you do that? Like, how does that number come up? Where that's how much I'm going to get for streaming? Because somebody else has had the money to invest in me for me to sit in your room and write these lyrics and put a beat to it, and you take my stuff and make millions off of it, and I get nothing? Like, no, that's not right. I'd be pissed too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, some people are saying that, well, some songwriters want to be in the shadows and that might be true. Like Seven Skeeter. That's I mean, she's true. Seven Street. Excuse me. She's a um, really good songwriter. But the difference is she's also mainly writing R&B. You get what I'm saying? So there's no shame in R&B. We know a lot of R&B people use songwriters. That's a that's openly discussed. But in hip hop, because hip hop is seen as competition and who's the best lyricist, that's what hip hop was built on. But nowadays, when you have a whole generation of SoundCloud rappers, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't I can't have that same mentality that people had in the 90s with these new age rappers because for them it's not a competition. It's just we're rich, we're rich. We all want to be cool and, and hang out together and stuff like that. Um, it's not like back then when you had to like battle rap and you had to really prove that you were the best MC. 
It's not like that anymore. Now you can just have like one hit. Like the Island Boys are literally, they were literally performing at Club Live. In what world in the 90s and 2000s would they have gotten anywhere? Vanilla Ice got his ass whooped a few times in the 90s. How are they even walking around with just infallible? Like, how is that possible? (laughs) What world do we live in, girl? Like, for real. This is a tragedy. And that's unfortunate because, you know, like you were saying, and, and what we've all actually witnessed is the fact that it's the click. It's a sound bite. It's the meme. It's the quick video. Everything has to be immediate, immediate, immediate. You can't put out good quality work because you got to keep pumping it out like a machine. And so you give them the click funny things, and that's what gets the interest. There's no such thing as 15 minutes of fame anymore. I don't even know if that term even can even be applied to anything. And then you get these people with no talent that'll come out here and put out crap just to get you to replay it until the next thing comes on. I'm so glad we're almost out of the era of the little and the babies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All these, these people with the names of little and baby and wank wank and all this other shit. Like, I just need somebody with some <laughs> with some <laughs> decent names that got good quality work. Where Can we get that again? That's where I want to go. And I know that things come in stages, but it is unfair. It really is unfair that people don't get their just due. And you have island boys that are trash coming out here, just taking up the scene and then eating up all the air. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I, I couldn't do it. I don't know. I don't know. It's sad. Now, Valencia made a really good point. Valencia in the chat says there's a difference between artists and entertainers. Some writers don't want to be in the limelight, while others want to run to the stage. It's disingenuous to to brand yourself as an artist if you're just there entertaining. It goes deep. And I agree. And I think that's where people have to be honest, because, again, if you want to play the background role, then play the background role. You can't be trying to be in competition with the artist, you know what I'm saying, or trying to be seen or now you want to be an artist, too. So that's where a lot of people have to decide. Do you just want to be a songwriter and you're cool getting your credit and playing the background role? Or are you trying to be seen as well? And if you're trying to be an entertainer, then at that point, you might need to take another route. So I think that's where you just have to have that honest conversation with yourself. So let's go ahead and bring on uh, Camille. Camille, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Okay, here I am. Sorry. Hey, Camille. Hey, T. Hey, Lady J. Much respect to you, Queens. Hey. Um, okay, so uh, once again, I mean, you do this phenomenal work, uh, T, and I am so just honored to be a tea sipper and supporter of anything you breathe on, okay? Um, <laughs> Thank you, sis. But yes, I do remember, like, you know, being in the clubs back in the day. Um, and I was, even back then, be conflicted about dancing to Diddy's music, especially after Biggie died. Ugh. Because, you know, even back then, we knew he was a fraud. And basically, he just told, took old hits. You know, I mean, a sampling, you know, music has just uh, evolved to uh, to such low vibra- uh, vibrations now. And watching that documentary really kind of just put it right there in my face. All that great music with Aaliyah. Um, and I was even, while I was watching it, I was like, Static was obviously one of my favorite artists. And I, and I never really, you know, was aware. I was kind of past the age of looking through the DVD booklets unless it was like, you know, routine or, you know, something like real, real huge when it came out. But um, I used to do that back in the day when I was, you know, when I was younger, too, because we actually had the pamphlet to hold and see the artwork and everything. But um, 
that was a, an amazing um, documentary. Um, well, I, I hear myself. Okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. but okay, one thing I did write down um, about just industry, and it's not just like the music slash entertainment industry, because I'm thinking about like you know when we talk about fast fashion, like everything is just fast and it's just destroying us from like every angle. Um, but like the music nowadays, it's just, you know, it's not giving you any substance. So that's why they don't really care about what they write down or what messages they're sending. It's somebody, you know, whoever's the puppet masters that's trying to send us all to hell, who's writing all this trash and putting all these, you know, dark symbols in there because nobody's really paying attention anymore. Um, so yeah, we need to, we need to pray for our souls and I will be revisiting, uh, Static's catalog because everything that he listed wasn't just like oh yeah I rock with it no those are all fire hits and, you know as much as I used to I used to really love Lil Wayne but you know um, I'm definitely side eyeing all the way he def- you know maybe he wasn't the one that was like yeah I'm gonna you know but he definitely benefited from the death of Static and I feel like even on one of those videos that you have played of him thinking he was thinking like my mama my my daddy my da 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 and he almost he went us. And it seemed like you almost wanted to say it, but I feel like in the, you know, the contract that he signed with his blood, he was not allowed to think it or something on that kind of level. But anyways, I, I like to go deep and I love you so much, lovely P. Um, Thank you everybody. so much. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate you. She made some good points. So let me go ahead and bring on uh, Coco Baby. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey T, can you hear me? We can hear you perfectly. How are you? I'm well. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been watching you since 2020 when I was pregnant with my second baby. I'm on the third now. <laughs> oh, wow. Congrats. Thank you. Hopefully it's a boy this time. I got two girls. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully. Yes. So I did watch the documentary. And I just want to say, first off, thank you so much for the work that you do. I I watch you on YouTube. I joined your Patreon. And I'm finally a part of the Discord. <laughs> okay. That's what's up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so... I'm not going to lie. I'm 24. I'll be 25 this year. I did not know who Static Major was. So thank you so much for shedding some light on him. Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing him on the video when the song first came out. And the video first came out. I'm like, who is this guy? You know? Right. <laughs> right. And then, again, like at the ending of the video, when it said RIP Static Major, I never put two and two together. But mm-hmm. the thing is, I remember when I seen the video... That was around the time my family first found out about the Illuminati, you know, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. And I didn't want to believe it. But once I seen it, I couldn't unsee it. So it was kind of it was kind of scary, like actually, you know, like playing the music backwards and the deep meaning behind all the, you know, all the videos and the symbolism and stuff. Yeah, I'm telling you, 2010 was like the wild, wild west of the internet. I mean, it was so many videos that just went so deep that really woke me and a lot of people up, you know, to just not, you know, the music industry, of course, like the entertainment industry. And all of those videos have just been wiped off of YouTube. Just wiped off the internet. I can't even search it up anymore and see like the old videos I used to watch. They used to be like two or three hours long. Now it's mm-hmm. only some people who talk about them still, but 
like I watch one YouTuber, his name is like Roche Sanchez. He used to talk about this stuff too, but now he's more into like, he still talks about this stuff now, but it's not as much like as, you know, before, but it's crazy. And it's scary because I have people in my family who wants to be a part of like the music industry. And I'm just like, don't be trying to sacrifice my ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's crazy. I didn't know that he wrote Hotline. And I was in middle school when all this stuff came out. I was in like, I think the seventh grade. So it, it, it was it was really a big eye opener. And now I see the music now and hear the music now compared to, you know, the stuff we used to listen to back in the day, you know, back at that time. It's not the same. Even even like you said before in some of your old videos, the R&B singers, it's like they're competing with the hip hop artists. It's more sexual. I can't mm-hmm. play the song in, you know, in the car with my kids and actually enjoy it because back then, you know what I'm saying? What, what the song with Janet Jackson? What's that song called? All my girls at the party, look at that body shaking that thing. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> that song? Got a nice package, all right? Yeah, all for you. That's my jam. Yeah. I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Then I got older. You know what I'm saying? It was some type of mystery to it. Now everything mm-hmm. is just like all out there. I'm like, they put it right in front of their faces. And you don't, the kids don't even realize like what they're listening to. So right. I just, I really appreciate you for shedding light onto that. And I, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just, I, you have no idea like how much I appreciate you. Lady J, I love you too, girl. I love you too. <laughs> Thank you. And that's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to finally talk to you. I feel like Jamie, starstruck. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I appreciate you, Carlina. You made a lot of good points, sis. Thank you. She did. I'll take care of them babies too. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, she made a lot of good points. It's it's a lot, you know, to, to digest and a lot of stuff going on. We're going to go until about 8 o'clock. Muchilla, okay. um, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T. Hey, how are you? Now, you know this is my ever girl. Go ahead, spit that I New York. Talk that New York talk. <laughs> you know I'm gonna talk that talk tonight. I can't. I hope you do a deep dive on Puffy because I want to be providing you with info. But anywho, <laughs> <laughs> anywho, this I didn't know he wrote that many songs. I knew he lived in the house with them because I knew somebody else that was messing around with Genuine back in the day. So I I knew he was with that group that was all in the house. Mm-hmm, the basement crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, we used to, I used to write, I used to work with Hank Shockley back in like the late 90s. And we, we, we had like a song writing group. Like we would write for certain people, like hooks for rappers, things of that nature. And okay. then we get people that also reference the song. So you do get robbed a lot with that. You don't get the credit, especially if you went in there and laid down the song and told them how to sing it. Mm. They don't even take your vocals off of it. Like, for instance, with Jennifer Lopez, y'all, I know y'all was talking about it, but I'm going to revisit it. Mm-hmm. You could hear Ashanti's vocals in the back of one of them songs. Yeah. So, you know, they're notorious for doing that. And why do you think, like, why do you think that is? Because 
I think about all the stuff, even like back in the 90s, right? Because we didn't have internet. So think about all the people who would mail in tapes to record companies or you go to a party and have a tape in your bag and hope to give it to a celebrity. Imagine how many people gave their music, their beats. Got stolen like that. Got stolen and there's no proof. I've had so many friends over the years tell me like, Yo, such and such song or beat sounds just like a, a beat that I made a few years ago. Or those are lyrics from a song that I that I put together. And they have no way to prove it, of course. You know what I'm saying? But imagine when people are just giving out info, just wanting a chance to make it. I think a lot of stuff, honestly, yeah, was stolen back then. I used to go as far as doing a poor man's copyright where you mail your stuff back to yourself after you lay it down. Mmm. So you and then it's got a postmark date on it. So if somebody you did something after the fact, it, it it's called a poor man. So it stands up in court though. Okay. So Kim wrote. Rakim wrote summertime. Listen to the. That sound like Nas though. It's not I no. I'm, I made a mistake. He wrote. He wrote. Um. What's the other one? Getting jiggy with it. That's the one Nas wrote. Oh, Nas wrote getting jiggy with it, and Rakim wrote Rakim summertime. Wrote summertime. If you listen to yeah. summertime, Will Smith flow sound exactly like Rakim's. Mm. Oh my God! Trust me, not keep trying to rap. <laughs> did I just do? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. you did. No, I didn't know that. Now, I um, people were telling me that Kelly Price is on the background of More Money, More Problems. That was her singing. Yeah, my um, she yeah, she wrote with them a long time, and they didn't want to put her out because of her because they said she was too big. Mm. She wrote for a lot of people too. Yeah, and she didn't get any credit. Did she get any money from More Money, More Problems? Or no, probably not. No, but I know she got hooked up with with the with R. Kelly and them after that because she was writing for a lot of people. She was writing for a lot of people. So, do you think for most songwriters, like I was saying earlier, do you think most of them go in with the intentions like they just want to be songwriters and be in the background, or do you think most of them go into the intention like let me just use this as a way to get my foot in the door, and then hopefully then I can go from being a songwriter to a singer, like kind of like how Ashanti did. Some people go in it that way. I'm a, I was a I started out rap being a rapper like rhyming and stuff, mm-hmm. but and then. They gave you, you know, you just at first you just writing hooks. Mm. Some people go into it to be an artist and then they told they don't have that look. So it's See, best to work thinking. behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking, too, that it's a lot of nuances because especially, you know, nowadays and even back then, people like the fame. People, you know, you want to be known. A lot of people may not take time to go Google who the producer is and who this and that. That's when you started getting the era. And I know there were certain people I couldn't even listen to their mixtapes because it was too much. When producers and beat makers started shouting out their shit. You know, like when you get the CD mm-hmm. and they, they start shouting out and name dropping themselves like DJ Mustard on the beat. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, but it was like, I forgot who was that the one back in the day. K Slay. He was just so loud. And, and Funkmaster Fletch with the bombs. And part of that was a branding technique. 
Because it's like most people are not going to go Google who these people are because all we see is the face of the artist. So let me shout out. It's Funkmaster Flex in the building. <laughs> you know, just May spoke for for a, a lot of most of Puffy stuff because um it wasn't only him. Jada Kiss was going to do it. He did some too, but he didn't do as much as Mace. Mm-hmm. And then he yeah. was saying he wished he did at one point. And it's a lot, and he says it's a lot of stuff that he have. You probably not going here till he pass away. That that puffy holding on to. Wow. Damn, you dropping chills, girl. I'm sitting here like, mm-hmm. yep. But, but remember Puffy's favorite line. Somebody wrote in the chat. He says it don't matter if I write rhymes. I write checks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that line. Yep. And somebody, yeah, Rodney Jenkins. He wrote a lot. Lashawn McDaniel's. You know, Dark Child, a lot of these people, you hear their name, but you don't really know their face necessarily. Yep. And, and yeah. Carrie Hilson, she wrote, a, she wrote a lot of bangers, too. Do you think with the whole Carrie Hilson situation, let's talk about that really quick, because I've never liked the way she was treated. I thought Carrie Hilson was a beautiful girl, beautiful voice. I loved her songs, but it seemed like she was competition for Beyonce because she was a good writer. She was pretty. They're about the same skin tone. She got the green eyes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that might have been kind of what Black bought her? Because she was one of the few that wasn't really trying to kiss you Beyonce's ass. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another one. Anne Marie. She jack- Beyonce jacked her whole style. Oh my God. And they got rid of her. Girl. You don't remember they was running neck and neck at one time? Girl, yeah. you ain't at lying. At one point. They was running neck and neck. And then, they, and then um, they was talking about how she couldn't dance that good. Mm-hmm. They started that. Yep. Yeah, the industry is dirty. They they basically, look, you don't even hear about her no more. And she was, she was a writer too. She did a little cute bop recently. She did a little cute bop recently. It was like she had an album like two years ago, but she got I think she married a um engineer or something like that, like a um like a producer. She's gonna come back. Yeah, Yeah, and and you know, Beyonce has that big machine behind it, like everybody's saying, she has a huge machine. So it's like, you know, you're not it's like she was that chosen one out that group, and nobody's gonna be able to knock her off her throne. And I think for the girls that were coming up, they wanted that spot, but nobody's been able to take that. Mm-hmm. I don't, she took I, the whole I, go-go thing after she did. It's just one thing. Mm-hmm. Beyonce took that whole jack the whole thing. That was her sound. Uh-huh. Mm. It's just one thing, and you know what? That, uh, she, she, uh, went and got his, she went and got that producer after that when she did um the did birthday she? album, the yeah. freaking dress. Yeah, the that was that was Amory. That was Amory. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. That happened. Yeah, it was. He right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now that I sit back and think about it, I'm playing in my head. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that, was that was a good yeah. album though. That was a good album it, it, she did. All was. I have was it all I have, and it was something else. That that, that Anne Marie album was a, a they compared that album to Mary's first album, how everybody was going. I like, agree. And that's when I would concur. The PP, that's when people were still reading the, the back, the, the CD cover still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now let me let's talk about Mary J. Blige. See, you know a lot of stuff. I'm keep you on real quick. Now with Mary, she don't she doesn't write anything. 
She danced a Rito. <laughs> or just here, am I mistaken? Because I'm I've been here for years. She doesn't write any of her music. That's not what I heard. I, Cause I worked with, I, like I said, I worked with Hank Shockley. Cause I, um, she was, she had, she had somebody, like, let's say if somebody bring the beat to her, mm-hmm. she, she writes some of it. Okay. So she, she some of it. said that she doesn't really write. Hence why she has to keep touring. Look, I'm because going to really get any back end money. I'm going, I'm going to go with that Mary album when she, when they, when she showed a scar on her face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know who did that scar, right? No. Pepper. That's my Casey. Pepper. Pepper from Salt Pepper? Yeah, because she was messing with Trench. That's what I heard. But oh, anyway. What? <laughs> Let's get I told it. you this is my error. Let me sip my tea. Hold on. Right. Yeah. Because she didn't have that scar when she first came out. Uh-uh. Because I can't remember where did the scar come from. Yeah. I thought Casey, yeah. I thought, you, you know, Casey from I don't know how true it is. I don't mm. know how, I don't know how true it is. But they said it was from that. It was, and it was Makes over sense. Trench. Mm. I would have cut somebody over Trench too. Y'all remember Trench? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, baby. Back in the day. <laughs> no, nah, but I, I, I believe she writes most of her. It, it, I guess when she real sad, she must really put out the bangers. I don't know about like, I know from that, like that album, I know she wrote that one. And, and mm-hmm. her and Lauren was working together, but you saw what happened to Lauren Hill too. She didn't yeah. write. They said she didn't write that album. That's why she never came out with nothing because she didn't give the, those people credit. Mm-hmm. They credit for writing. Yeah, they came back years later. Like I said, we're now in the in the a new age of the of the internet. When those people came out, this was like what three four years ago, and said that Lauren didn't write anything on that album. Mm-hmm. Education, Lauren Hill. Like, wait, that excuse broke me, my heart. Yeah, wait, wait. Heart. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, they they sued her. She got sued. She got sued. Yeah, that's why she was never able to drop another album because she didn't write the first. That came out four years ago. Blew my mind because that's one of Girl, my, my favorite albums. My mouth is on the flow. The that's Negro one of my favorite. to speak. Yeah. Yep. They came out and sued her. Wow. Mhm. Yeah, I remember that. They talking about it in the chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a few I, years I, ago. Like, it was like a group of them. It wasn't just one person. Damn. It was like several people, like a group of them that came out. Yeah, it was like oh. a whole team she had writing. writing. Y'all. Yeah. But it happens, it though. It do. I mean, why should I it be surprised? Happens. But we were built up that lore by how dope Lauren was. Miseducation Lauren Hill. That was a bad album. It still stands. I don't care. It still right. stands. Her, vo- her voice was just magnifique. I mean, whoever wrote it, okay, but dad, I mean, we, you know, damn, okay. Yeah, it's still, it's right. still one of my favorite albums. I still listen to it. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, a classic. Man. It's but a classic. classic. But it was very disappointing to hear that it was some of you involved very. in that process that did not get credit or paid. Now, before you go, let's talk about Millie Vanilli. Oh, so, Lord. <laughs> while I was, you know, on my little 90s kick when I was like editing for the video, Millie Vanilli popped up. So I went back because I haven't watched a Millie Vanilli video literally since like third grade. So and I went back and I watched Blame It on the Rain and a few other songs. And I've noticed a lot of the comments are kind of shifting. And maybe it's because this generation is more caring and soft. I don't know. But 
When you think about the whole Millie Vanilli thing, were they wrong for lip singing and singing to somebody else's voice like, you know, CNC Music Factory did to Martha, Martha Wash? Absolutely. But what people are saying is that even though they weren't technically singing, when you watch them performing and dancing and putting in that work, that was their body. That was their energy. That was them, you know, making that song what it was. So should they have been chastised as harshly as they were? Because it led the one guy to kill himself. The yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they should have been because they wanted to come out. They wanted to come out with their own voice. But the the um the white producer told them no. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and then managers. when you put the CDs, people, they was old people that wrote that song. Mm-hmm. And that sang it. They was like I, old, like middle-aged dudes. <laughs> I felt like it was like some type of humiliation ritual looking back on it. Maybe I'll do a deep dive on that. But um, when you think about it, when they put them out there, they one, they didn't expect the song to blow up the way it did. It was just supposed to be like a fun little song in Germany. And it yep. ended up going global. So that wasn't their fault, but because they were able to sell it, they had the braids, they had the leggings, they had the dance. I mean, they were the shit back then. Like everybody loved Millie oh, yeah. Vanilli. Yeah, I was surprised. Guys, when it, mm-hmm. I was surprised with that when that when when I because when they when you find out they didn't sing, I was like, shit, they ain't sing that song. Right, everybody was shot. But when you think about it, though. The guy, their their manager, whatever, he was mad. It's almost like he he had this secret that he could hold over them. And once they got tired, like you're not gonna keep punking us and having us do things that we don't want to do because you have this secret of the fact that we didn't really sing this song over our head. And so when they finally told him no, that's when he started calling the the radio stations, the networks, and saying, "Hey, I got proof that they did not sing this." And he went on this whole boat tour blasting them. And the industry turned on these guys. And they were only like in their 20s. They yep. were like, you know, oh, they were like young men in their 20s. So imagine the whole world hating you and telling you to kill yourself. And you're the most horrible person because of a, a facade that these grown white men in, men in their 40s helped to use you to be the face of. So all these old white guys, they got their bag off of Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli was broke mm-hmm. after that. And they were never able to come back. Nobody cared about their real voice because neither one of them could really sing. And then the one guy, he it was so much pressure and sadness on him, he killed himself. Yeah. Uh Mm -hmm. Right after the member of the VH1 behind the music. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yep, he did that and and killed himself. The first time when the Mm -hmm. thing went off during the concert and the um, the dad kept repeating. Oh, yeah, kept repeating. Yep. Blame it on the, 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 blame it on you know what I'm saying? These were the kids of the GIs who went over there to Germany, over here, I'm on the side of the world, and mm-hmm. had kids with these, you know, women. Mm-hmm. And they coming up and they growing up and they feeling themselves just like the whole music scene in Britain, you know, Brixton and, you know, the parties in the basement and stuff because it was that eclectic moment. And they were trying to be the blue pop stars you know, trying to compete with America and it and it failed and it was so sad. But really to be honest with you, what they did 
ain't nothing compared to what they're doing today when you sit back and think about it. You, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, honestly, it's nothing. It doesn't even matter. I'm like, if I saw them, I'm like, oop, it skipped. <laughs> yeah, people don't even care anymore. Mm-mm. So, it's yeah, I think though. if it happened in today's day and age, they might get climbed. We're going to make some memes. We're going to make some gifts. We're definitely going to roast them. But it wouldn't have been as bad as it was like back then. It's like they were shunned and clowned and I mean, and I get it because if you're a real musician like Prince and you're playing your own instruments and you're recording your own music and that's your real voice of course you have every right to fill away but it was just uh-huh. very interesting to me looking back how the people who set these young men up never got any backlash no one ever looked at, the, at those older white guys who set them up to fail and said well why did y'all do this why did y'all even put them in a position like this you know, and then now you want to be the same person to pull the rug out from under them? It's very yeah, that was crazy. Really look at it. Really sinister. Very. But Muchilla, thank you so much for calling in, sis. Thank good you for having to me. You. Thank you Definitely. for letting me speak. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. All right. Later. Bye. Bye. She dropped some gems. She really she always be dropping gems, girl. She mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to dig back into that whole Millie Vanilli thing because it's really sad when you yeah. really look at it. It's really sad. I remember seeing that behind the music and it just kind of, because he was so beautiful. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I, I was having this conversation the other day. Like, you 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 know, Milton Illness, uh, you know, thank God we're in the time that we're in now. We understand more about the human mind and how, you know, environments impress upon us to do things that, Normally, we wouldn't do in our right mind. You know, and it's so sad because he left here for something that really was petty. And they drove that man to that. You know, it's, it's really crazy. But then mm-hmm. you got people who are sitting up here who ate off of it and are walking free. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, it's kind of the same thing when I think about that. I kind of liken it slightly to making the band and how, you know, Puffy t- basically terrorized and abused these artists, which ain't nothing but... I didn't know that's why. Is that why they called him Devontae Swing? Because he was always swinging on people. Swinging on people. That's what I think. Girl. <laughs> so maybe. So, <laughs> so you know, a Devontae Swing abusive. You know, a Puffy abusive. You know, the Milli Vanilli, the guys abusive. Like, taking advantage of people who are putting their faith in you to give them the dream that they don't, they can't afford to finance themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the real thing. Because if they could afford to finance it, you know, you wouldn't have a lot of these situations. You're preying upon the weak and the desperate. And, you know, Puffy, I've never liked him. And his chick is going to come home with Bruce one day. But, you know, it's it's sad. I really do think that people who put in their work should get their just due. It's right. Really a lot sad. of people are talking about Ashley Simpson <laughs> and that hold down dance that she did when her backtrack uh, slipped. Um, she was supposed to be singing with her own voice on, I believe, Saturday Night Live, and yeah. the record skipped. And then she started doing a little hold down dance, you know. And she got a lot of backlash, you know. People roasted her, people clowned her, you know. But then folks got over it. But I just think. You know, with the Millie Vanilli situation, it was really sad because, you know, with Ashley, she was just being lazy. You know, she could have used her own vocals and sang. But with that. Millie, it's like they they literally had whole different voices and they used them as the face. But, you know, back then it was about getting a quick buck. That was also the error of the one hit wonders. There was so many one hit wonders in the 90s. Right. It's insane. 
People oh come in, God. make a one hit, and you would not hear from them no more. Right, said Fred. Mm-hmm. I'm too sexy for my show. I ain't heard nothing from them. I ain't heard nothing from Right, said Fred since 1991. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Tell them my age again. But I'm just saying, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And it, I mean, I mean, not even, and this is the thing, and this is what scares me, though. And I can't remember where I heard this, and it was recently. And they were, t- I can't remember, but it was talking about artists and how basically artists right now today, the majority of them don't have the gravity or the gravitas to create anything authentic and that everything is being replicated. And then it made me think like, damn, are we at the end? Because when you can't create anymore, you're continuously replicating what's already been done. Then what else is there to do? You know what I mean? Mm. And I, you know, and I see that in so many different ways, not just the music industry, but music is a form of art. It's the Mm -hmm. culture, right? It's the medium that we express ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And there's the, the authenticity is dead. So when you do have somebody who's a savant, like Prince was. People say Prince was difficult to deal with. When you are a fucking genius, you, again, I said it earlier, you're like a god. You can't, you're not functioning on the same way as everybody else does. But when you don't have a lot of those people mewling around like we used to, they're here, but where are they? Are they being suppressed because y'all trying to treat them like static major or is it that we ain't got no more gifts around because everybody's just copying the same stuff? I don't know. Because I don't, I continuously listen to all the old stuff. I'm not really listening to a lot of this new stuff. I don't know about y'all. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yes, I don't. it's a lot of remakes. So we're going to take a few more calls and then we're going to end the show. So let me go ahead and bring on Malcolm Jordan. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Oh my goodness! Finally, I've been trying to get on for so long. I just wanted to say real quick, lovely T, I love you. I've been watching you since before YouTube had commercials. I just love everything you do. <laughs> I don't have much Thank to you. contribute. I just been wanting to say hi. Um, and Lady J, I love you too. You have a beautiful voice. And thank you for letting me speak. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you for calling in, sweetie. I appreciate it. Of course. He's so sweet. Thank you. Um, P. Michelle, go ahead and meet your microphone. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hey. Um, Just something, just real quick. Just as far as writers are concerned, I mean, just as far as hip-hop is you know, you've always had people who wrote. I've wrote in the chat like, you know, Easy E didn't, didn't pretty much didn't write anything. So mm-hmm. you had Ice Cube writing, <laughs> Ice Cube writing for him. Dre, you know, still DRE was Jay Z, and you know he's not he's not really a rapper. Let's be honest. He he may mm-hmm. be a producer, but he's really not a rapper. So you had Biggie writing for Kim, and you had Jay writing for Foxy. So this is, I mean, this is something that's really not new but the big thing that I really wanted to say was like it's mostly now we see we've always seen Puffy. Puffy has always been in the background where it seems as if he's stealing from mostly black artists mm-hmm. and that even when who was that uh, 
Jennifer Lopez. That was his girl at the time. If anybody can remember, Shantae Moore had a song. It was called If You Had My Love or something like that. He took the song from Shantae Moore and she had already recorded it and gave it to Jennifer Lopez. Just like Irv Gotti and also Ja Rule, how they all gave that to Jennifer Lopez. Again, we have this thing where we black artists are stealing from black artists or black you know, heads of labels are stealing from these songwriters. So it's just kind of like, if we can't do our own right, then how do we expect to be done right? And I don't know how the music industry does not understand that they were going to be reckoned with after Napster. I don't understand how they thought they was going to be able to continue the same structure after that. I know it's taken many years for it to come about, but this whole songwriting points and all this stuff, they had to know the chickens were coming home to roost soon, especially how they got dealt with in like the in the early 2000s with Napster. It is going to come. And I think well, with these songwriters. Uh-huh. Well, talking about the industry, you got to understand they have the, the, the vision of forethought. If you mm. go and you look into like some of like the industry documentations, they were saying they were putting things in contracts back in the 80s because they knew the era of technology where technology was going. Because remember, America's always behind on technology. Asia and Europe, they, they're usually on technology about five to ten years before us. But in a lot of the old musical contracts back then were even saying in the event of digital work. Meaning that they knew that the digital revolution with streaming was going to come. They didn't know how and how fast, but they were already preparing. So that was in a lot of contracts even back then to, to always have a way for the record labels to have their hands in the pot. Now, another thing we talk about black artists taking from other artists. I look at this as almost like an initi- initiation. And this is why I say this. Right. So you come into the game as an artist and I'm the record label. I basically take a majority share and, you you know, I put you in a shitty contract. So now you're, you know, you're that artist and now you want to start your own label. But you remember how I made you feel. So instead of you being right towards your, you know, the, the new people that you're signing, you then turn around and take advantage of them as well. It's almost yeah. like think about when people join fraternities or even games. You can even say games. I was beat in. I was I went through a hazing ritual and now I'm a senior and you're coming in as a freshman and you want to be a Q or a cap or just whatever. So now I'm going to beat you the same way that they beat me, because this is just what it is. Remember, case in point, the cycle definitely continues. Remember, when we all watched the Bob, the Bobby Brown movie. Remember how bad their contracts were with New Edition. Remember, they were crying and these horrible contracts and we're still poor. And then what happened? Remember when they finally blew up and they were Belle Bish DeVoe and they were grown men, what did they do? They turned around and did the same damn thing for boys to men. Yep. Folks ain't ready for that conversation. So we're, are we really any different from the white labels when we're turning around and still perpetuating the same people to the folks under us? And that's the audacity. Like the other day we had the discussion about uh, P. Diddy, the audacity to get up there during the Grammys and say, well, you know, we tired of being stolen from. Negro, you the one doing the stealing. <laughs> what do you mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so hard to even kind of even look at him because he's from my era. Puffy was the stuff back then. And then when you get to look at 
all the things that he's done from Black Rob to Shine to all of that, it's just like you sitting there like, dang man, you really jacked up your legacy. I don't know any anybody outside of the culture for real may look at you as somebody. We can't hear you. Oh gosh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else outside of the culture may look at Puff Daddy like, oh, he's this and this and that. But all of us, we still looking at him like, for real? Like, you done really stole from all these artists. We understand you had a major impact from Mary to Jonesy, all these people. But you stole from these people. How do we, I don't even know how you even reconcile that part of his legacy at all. It's like you can't. No, well, and the thing is, the problem is you still have a lot of people who co-sign him and who stand, who stand next to him because he has money. Even now with all the foolishness going on in the diss track for Mace, if you go in his comment section, it's all people with blue check marks. Even Kelly Price was in his comments when he was when he wrote that mess to the uh, Freddie P. Kelly Price was in there bigging up Puffy. And I'm thinking to myself, weren't you crying a few years ago mm. about being on more money, more problems and not getting credit? Why are you here mm. co-signing this? So again, it's like a lot of us, we have to look internally too. We co-sign a lot of BS and then cry when it gets done to us. True. There was a few yeah. blue check marks in there that shouldn't have been there, but you know, I digress. They're free to do what they want to do, but I did give them the side eye. Yeah, and, and it's it's getting to a point now where I guess you know it's 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 a lot different with this new generation. They they're able. I mean, people don't want to give Soldier his props, but you know, with people being able to release stuff on the internet and do what they do, you know, without these major corporations, I guess you know people trying to hang on as much as they can right now. So it is what it is. Well, thank you so much for calling in, sis. It was good to talk to you. All right, y'all have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, so we're going to take one more call, and that's Gigi. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Oh, my God, lovely T. I'm such a huge fan. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can you turn up your microphone or your phone a little bit? Um, sure. It Can sounds you real low. Uh-uh, it sounds real. Like You sound like you're far away. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me any better now? I guess I'll just try to talk louder. Yeah, just try and talk real loud. Okay, I will do. I just wanted to hit on two points. Um, of course, everybody else has already talked about, you know, the whole Lil Wayne situation, right? And I was having this conversation with my nephew, of course, because he was born in the 2000s. So he doesn't understand the magnitude of how big Lil Wayne was when Lollipop came out. Those were my college days. So I remember going to the club and hearing Lollipop. And I mean, as soon as they put it on, the club would go bananas. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody would run to the dance floor. They didn't care if they left their drinks at the bar. Nobody was worried about any of that. <laughs> and it's like... For him to understand that, right, being a 2000s baby, he knows the little Wayne now, you know, with the weed, mm -hmm. three dreadlocks, you know, he don't really. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's not really understanding how big it was. And I think it's very, very disrespectful. And it's very sad that he really did not give Static his props on that. Because like you said, that catapulted him to the next level. No doubt. If he didn't have Lollipop, we wouldn't really know who Wayne is. I mean, of course, we know him from Cash Money, you know, bling, bling, all of that.
but nobody mm-hmm. was really checking for him like that. So I just, that, that really did bother me. The next thing is I really appreciate you for putting in uh, that little clip of Stevie J spilling some tea about people getting abused, you know, Timberland <laughs> and all these people. I'm like, what in the hell was going on back? <laughs> Tell you, the 90s was wild. Right. I'm like, okay, so um, everybody was okay with Devontae just, you know, slapping people and just, you know, carrying on. I'm like, wow, this is just out of control and out of order, you know? So (laughs) I really do um, appreciate you for putting that in there. And it really just shows like, you know, of course, I, I knew Stevie J was a, you know, a producer and he's very, very talented. But, you know, apparently he's been about that life for a really long time. You know, we've we seen him on, on Love and Hip Hop jumping over tables and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, apparently he's been, you know, throwing them hands since the 90s, you know. Um, but, yeah, th- those are the things I, I really appreciated. And I, I, I appreciate you for really going into just the spiritual part of things, you know, because I think that's what's missing, is that we don't realize that people put their whole life into this music that we just listen to for a few minutes and like, okay, discard and that's it. And I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you for going into depth with that. But that was all. Thank you so much. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It was really good talking to you, sis. You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. She made some really good points. Lady J, she really did. She did. So awesome. These are some interesting times, boy. <laughs> These are some really interesting times to listen in. And, you know, sitting back just kind of listening to everybody's thoughts on the documentary and kind of how the conversation has been off to the places that they needed to go, right? Mm-hmm. The overarching theme here really is just another example of exploitation, you know? And it's just really unfortunate. You know, and I remember that clip with um, Puff Daddy basically being, you know, wherever he was, BET Awards or whatever it was, right? And he was mm-hmm. sitting there talking about how, and we gonna stop this right now. Like, because you're saying you're gonna say, you're saying it, it's gonna actually happen, which is ironic because you're taking for everyone else. And it's just a big allegory for how he's been allotted to say the things that he says, the fact that there were blue check marks in there supporting his crap, is am I understanding that correctly? Mm-hmm. Were you actually you saying there were people in there supporting mm-hmm. the crap that he was? And see, that's how come he can continue and people like him can continue to get away with stuff. And then that also shows you that he has, he's definitely given something up. So he's in a safe position, but you know what? It doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. You are and I think too, sometimes when when you see people co-signing that, that's because they want to do the same thing. <laughs> Just keeping it real. They want to, you know, oh, create yeah. their own record label and, and, you know, do a Making the Band 2022 and find the next, you know, kids and, and suck them dry. You know, any adjacency to something you know, because what is Kelly Price doing right now? Isn't that who you said it was? Yeah. And she what had said she, she was kidnapped earlier in the year. 
Oh, that's right. That and didn't she have like COVID? She or had something? COVID. You know, just a bunch. Yeah, she was in there. I was just very surprised because, like I said, I went to go read the comments and I seen Freddie P in there. He had like twelve likes, so he was in there. You know, responding back to Diddy in the comments, and so I'm going through because you know how all the blue check marks are at the top. And I seen mm-hmm. Kelly Price's name, and I'm like, well, that's strange that you'd be in here even co-signing this because, again, up until recently, I didn't even know that you sang on more money, more problems. But okay, carry on. <laughs> I didn't. Either, but I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. Yeah. You know, and it's it's and that's the thing. Where's the morality? Like at some point, it has to stop. And it kind of goes back to my comment that I said earlier. Like, I think that this is a new day. And I think that there's so many people that are trying to get the justice that just do that. You can't give justice to one group and not have it be continuous. So this is a group of people who've always been misrepresented and mistreated. And and the reason why it's fair to support making sure people get their just due is because these are moments in our lives. Like we listen to music. We, we set moments to that. You know what I'm saying? It's a part of the culture. They deserve to get their just due. And, you know, I hope Static Majors Estate is, is getting paid nicely. Because this yeah. seems seem like a really cool brother. Well, this has been our show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, I mean, just a lot of good conversation in the chat. A lot of good calls coming in. So I really, really appreciate you guys. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm glad you guys really liked the documentary and you guys learned a lot more about Static Major's life and things that he contributed to hip hop and R&B. And I just think that at the end of the day, we have to get people their roses before they're no longer here. Like I said, not only, you know, Static Major, but LaShawn, you know, Daniels, he passed away like two two years ago. And he wrote a lot of just I mean, some of my favorite songs he wrote as well. So we have to go back to the era of reading or researching, you know, who wrote what, who produced what, just so you can give those people their props. It's not always Mm -hmm. the face of the artist. It's sometimes it's the people behind the scenes, because if it wasn't for their pen work and their beats and things like that, the things that make a song, the artist wouldn't have anything. They may have some of the lyrics that they wrote it or, you know, the swag or the dance moves. But it's that whole package and people like Ashanti, people like Terry Hilson and, you know, Neo and so many others. The Dream, he's another excellent writer. They need to be given their props. So once again, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It was really good talking to everyone tonight. And we'll be back next week with another Green Room. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.